So I have a question for you, and this is something that we're dealing with this whole week, is uh, are you focused on your career today, education, family, material things, or just free leisure time more than what you should be? The question is, will you listen to God today, or will you be like Jonah, going in the, running in the opposite direction? or have excuses like Moses. All things are possible through Christ. I just want to open with a, with, a, with a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, right now we just want to ask you to open our eyes to see what you want us to see. Open our ears to hear what you want us to hear. Open our minds to comprehend what you want us to understand. Open our hearts to love the way you showed us to love. Amen. Brother Willie told me I'm going first. And I guess that's fair because I kept my class a couple minutes late, so we're taking it off on my end. So let's try to get through this as quickly and efficiently as we can. As this morning, how many of us thought of ourselves as missionaries? Unfortunately, uh, almost... Uh, a great percentage of those that are converted put their hands down right away. Um, the problem is that we have a perception problem. When we forget that we are all missionaries, God's work is going to go undone. And souls are going to go seeking the Word of God from somewhere else. And that's a shame. Um, how do we think about our small churches? How many, how many here think they come from a small church? That's not too bad. There's quite a few of you out there. Uh, I, I, I was going to sit down and figure out uh, how many uh, that would actually be. But when we think about our small churches, we think, first of all, that's somebody else's problem. Thank God I have a nice congregation to go to. We have a good youth group, uh, uh, an active program. Uh, benches are full most of the time. Glad that's not my problem. Some people look at small churches and say, you know, that's really a shame. That, that's a real burden for others. We need to pray for them. Be warmed and filled. Some people look at them as missions. Aren't we thankful that somebody's willing to go and somebody's willing to keep a little church alive or somebody's willing to go and serve in a small church? But how many times do we think, that, you know, this is a mission that we really need to support? Too, I, 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 too often we think of missions as foreign places to send our money or to go on a work team or something like that. And the reality is there might be a small church down the road that really could use a visit, could really use some extra workers. So how many churches uh, and outreaches programs have we closed in the last 10 years? Brother Jimmy might be here somewhere. He would know a whole lot better than me. But I know that four, it was about four or five years ago when I did a forum like this, there was Elgin, Illinois that was in the process of being sold. We closed the work in Delaware uh, because uh, the, the Meisters did a, a mighty, gave it a mighty effort. Uh, I apologize that I was down the road, but I was kind of busy where I was in Richmond and wasn't really able to go nearly as, as much as I would have liked to. But... If you ask brother, talk to Brother Mark, I'm sure he wouldn't be too shy, although he's still serving the Lord in a great way where he is. Uh, but thankfully, we've got Regina uh, up in, in Canada, and I am so thankful to hear that we have a young couple that's going to be uh, moving up there. We need to start praying for them now. But we sold the church. The church building's gone. 
What a shame. Now we get to start one step backwards. But thank God there are those that are being called. We need more workers to go to Regina. It's not good to send out one young couple all by themselves. They'll have enough problems to contend with without being alone. So how do we start small churches and why? I got to, I got to, well, I'm four minutes. I said I'd do this. Um, in, in our early churches, it was to spread the gospel. Um, if there were more than two preachers in any church, Froelich sent one of them away. Then we had some persecutions, so we scattered the churches that way. Uh, in, in our latter years, how do we look at it? Well, some are just looking for a better life. They'd like to find a better opportunity somewhere. Somebody said, I'll move away as soon as God will give me a better job and a nicer house. That was actually told, not to me, but to somebody that I can trust. Um, our family's somewhere, so we'll go and try to get a church started for the sake of family. Or we've got some winter homes somewhere. I'm thankful for that. And, uh, and, or a summer home, and wouldn't it be nice if we could have a church here? So let's pray that somebody will come and serve it. Perhaps it's time to rethink our process. We, should st- we might want to start viewing our small churches, and in fact all of our churches, as missions to reach the lost with the gospel and to edify the church. In Acts 13.2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, which meant they were very earnest about what they were thinking about doing, the Holy Ghost said, which means they were listening, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul to the work whereunto I have called them. They prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away to do the Lord's work. So what does it take to keep a small church going, alive and growing? Well, it takes the love of God uh, and the love of His Word, and you have to share that with everybody that comes through the door. If If you can't love them, you've got nothing really to share. Uh, But if you don't love God's Word, it doesn't matter how friendly you are. We kind of learned that ourselves. How many people does it take? Uh, A a gentleman that was uh, interested in running organizations actually said the optimum size of any organization is 100 people. 100. Well, we don't come anywhere near any of that in, in any of our small churches. I started counting just the ones that were 25 members and less, and you wouldn't be surprised how many there were. But with 100 people, you have just about everything you could possibly need. Anything over 100, an uh, organization becomes inefficient. This is a businessman, not me. I know I'm the guy that grinds the small churches axe. But you big, you have too big, people get lost. They don't have enough work to keep them all busy, and you start to have problems. It takes money. Sometimes we forget about that. Um, Some old brothers and sisters are there. They started the church. They got it going. Guess what? They're not going to be paying the AC bills forever. And those that are coming along might be struggling. So we have to start thinking about these things. It takes employment for young people. And maybe we could do a little bit better with that. Paul didn't just... I'm not proposing at all that we pay our ministers and, and the workers... But Paul made tents, but he didn't do it by himself. He had Priscilla and Aquila to help him, and so they helped taking care of it. And you have to take care of the aged, too. This is a picture from Easter this year of our congregation. Uh, it was a wonderful time. We had quite a few visitors, as you can see. This is not a typical Sunday in Coconut Creek, but I can't tell you what a blessing it is to be able to serve in a small church where everybody loves each other. There is incredible unity and where we've got an open door. This, was, this is the new carpet, by the way, and, and, and the new tile after I chipped off the old. 
But those doors are open because the Lord chose to keep them open. And he sent laborers. I can remember the day when I said to my dad that I would go and serve in the church in Florida. But I said, you know, the, body, the, the, the scripture says, if one member of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And I don't want to whine about being in a small church. In fact, I'd like to invite everyone, and I've got to quit now. I want to invite everyone to come that has any interest whatsoever. At 2 o'clock, um, the campus, I was going to say science, campus center 105. We don't want to have a wine session uh, and no wine tasting. No, no wine session. We're not all getting together to wine and uh, pat each other on the back and, you know, uh, woe is us for our small churches. What we really need to do is to sit down and start coming up with some solutions to some of the problems that we have and come up with a plan. We need to plan for our small church missions. And the big churches are invited to come because guess where we're going to need the help from? You have a responsibility as the body of Christ to feel the pain of every member. And I said to my dad, I'm willing to go, but doesn't anybody else hurt? Whoops, I apologize. I just thought I was going to close it. I apologize for being one minute, 59 seconds over. Good morning. We'd like to thank everybody for your continued support of CLM throughout this past year. We've gone through many different challenges and uh, tasks this year, and we just appreciate all your prayers and support during these times. Uh, the biggest uh, changes that we've undergone, we'd like to bring people up to date on. Uh, we've still been under a lot of uh, bureaucratic changes, governmental changes, governmental mandates, um, as they are uh, putting a lot of different laws into practice. Uh, we have had to uh, adapt to those. Sometimes those uh, changes can be expensive or can be difficult. Um, they can require a lot of work. Uh, so far we've been able to keep up with those, but that has not been an easy task. Uh, another huge change that we've been going through over this past year has been a continued adaptation to a different system. Uh, in the past, if you remember, CLM had worked as an institutional care facility where we had kids living on different sides and wings, and we had workers who worked shifts. But this year, we have been changing the entry Hughes facility to a house parent model where all of our children will be living in apartments and living with caregivers in the house. Uh, the goal of this is to provide a more family type model of care that every child would have a actual reference as a, as a father or a mother and that they would uh, be able to look to that person. Um, we are doing this because we do believe this is the uh, that God created children to be in families and uh, we want to provide the closest thing to a, a biblical family reference as we possibly can. I've uh, been really excited over the last couple of years as we've really seen a lot of children at CLM being adopted. Uh, as we have seen many of the children who are easier and a little bit younger be adopted out, that has left a great need for more difficult children who are a little bit older. Uh, that has been kind of a task for us to learn to deal with that. Um, at times, because of this, we've had to have, I have, to have much higher staff uh, 
ratios for the children we're dealing with, but we're excited about this change because it really means that the children that need to be here are coming here, and the children who do have possibilities of being adopted and being placed in families are having that happen with them, and we're very excited about that. We're excited with the opportunity we've had to work with many local families, and then even over the next... Uh, a uh, year or so, we're really excited about possibility of being able to uh, help launch a uh, foster care system here. Just pe please be in prayer for us, uh, for our staff, uh, and all that we are going through at this moment, uh, the, the, through the bureaucratic changes, the governmental changes, as well as the uh, just the changes that we believe are necessary to be the best stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. Um, please pray for all of the kids we've entrusted to our care. Please be in prayer for our families, um, for the families of the workers who are here. Uh, over the last uh, couple of years, uh, several missionaries have now adopted children into their own families. Uh, we really are excited about this uh, and to see this trend as people are making uh, not just being caregivers, but providing a forever family for the children that uh, we care for. And But this comes with a lot of other uh, difficulties. And uh, some of these changes in our families haven't been easy. Uh, and just keep praying for us uh, as we work through these with our own personal families and with our staff as well, that we can be an encouragement we'd be able to provide the support system necessary to encourage other people to adopt, uh, especially people in our local church. We really would like to see more people from our local church adopting, and we want to provide a support network for that to help them allow them to do that. And I just thank you once again for your support. Um, please stand with us in the, the gap, uh, interceding on our behalf uh, in prayer over this next year. Thank you. Greetings from Southern Brazil. Much has happened at Salem Turbo in the last year since we saw you at Camp 2012. In the previous 12 months, Salem Turbo has ministered to the needs of over 20 children as well as two at-risk mothers. We have been able to give them a safe place to hide, which prevented the mothers from being separated from their children. Through regular visits to the courthouse, we have been able to serve the children better by speeding up their placements in permanent families. Several of our children have been adopted, as well as many children have been returned to family members or restored homes. Helping the children to move quickly through the system has reduced each child's stay at Salem Turbo, as well as reduced the number of children living at the home at any one time. This has allowed us to work with the children in smaller groups giving each child more individual attention and readying them for adoption or placement in a family. In June, Mike and Mary Cochran returned to the U.S. to finish the adoption of their three Brazilian children. We miss them a lot and are feeling the hole they left behind. Currently, our missionary staff is made up of a Brazilian couple, Adriel and Alaini, and Amanda and myself. We currently have one six-month short-termer who is helping out. Our largest need is for both short-term and permanent missionaries. If you feel that God may be calling you to join us, please contact us for more info on how you can get involved with CLM Turbo. We want to thank each of you that has contributed to the success of this ministry over the past year. Please continue to keep CLM Turbo in your prayers. 
So from Brazil to Canada, um, just a quick update, and I don't have too much time. Um, so I'm just going to give you a quick flyby of some of the things that have happened over the last year. Just after camp last year, we had a group from the Children's Aid, a number of uh, 12, I think 12 foster kids that came through um, the system, some of their more difficult ones. And so we did a, a workshop with them and, and really had an incredible time with them. In October, Beverly Hills came over to do a little uh, work at the ranch, and we got quite a bit done. At the end of the month, the ICFG had another work team come, about 60 or so people. Um, again, a ton of work was done. A pavilion was built. Uh, they fenced in our north pasture, which has been fantastic for us this year, built a couple of raised flower beds, did a whole bunch of raking of leaves all over the property, and built another set of stairs aside from the ranch and a fire pit, which we used for dinner and for campfire in the evening. Um, and then in between then, we, we rescued another horse in November, which I forgot to put in here, uh, Nikos, who was a uh, thoroughbred racehorse out of California. Um, and then this year, we've done a workshop with... Uh, Troubled Teens in Amherstburg. There's an alternative secondary school, so we did a two-day workshop with them. Uh, kids that just have fallen through the cracks and came from rough and tumble backgrounds and, and are, are struggling with, with life in general. Um, and it was just, again, another uh, incredible um, experience that we had with them that I hope will continue to blossom as the new school year starts this year. We also had a few visits from like the Legacy Group um, from Upward Bound Youth in Worcester. We had a group of Mennonites from the Galilean home in Kentucky that uh, came up to visit us and spent the day with us. And we also had a group of uh, 35 Sunday school kids from Livonia, Michigan Sister Church that came over for a day at the ranch as well. Um, over the last year, a lot of praises for what God has done for us um, with Sister Dana, our horse trainer, um, and the different ministries, both youth and adult as they grow, um, as well uh, as some prayers for the future just to have the CRA, who is kind of like the IRS over here, uh, approve our charitable status application, um, as well as looking for just a lot of prayers for the kids, for, for us, for the volunteers that are, are working with us, um, and Lord willing to have our grand opening this fall. Brother Mark and I are here together because we're introducing a ministry that many of you uh, have not heard of yet. This will be new to you. This is a sister ministry to Redemption Ranch that we're calling Timber Ridge Ranch in uh, Syracuse, New York. Um, this uh, ranch is established as a not-for-profit C corporation in the state of New York, and our IRS tax-exempt approval right now is sitting at the office in Cincinnati, Ohio. All the Americans know what that means, so please uh, pray for us. The activities uh, of Timber Ridge are being conducted right now on a 22-acre property in Marianna, New York, as well as temporarily on a, uh, a horse stable in Onondaga, New York. The, uh, the chief aims of Timber Ridge is to rescue horses, provide hope for the youth, uh, nurture the activities of the family, and heal the soul. And our focus right now was working one-on-one -on -one with one trainer, one adult, one child, and uh, uh, one horse. I'd like to show you uh, uh, a couple of lost souls that we have now at Timber Ridge. Uh, Clyde is a 17.1-hand uh, adopted Clydesdale. He was rescued from an Amish draft auction um, in central Ohio. Uh, he was at the point of death when he was uh, rescued and brought to our local area in central New York. We adopted him a year ago, and Clyde's life has changed dramatically with uh, people frequently loving on him, and he is a healthy and happy horse. He will be a great session training horse, and right now is being started.
Chrissy is at a very dark place in her life. Chrissy has been diagnosed as bipolar and frequently has uh, fits of depression. She only came to the stable after repeated invitations, and her mother reluctantly brought her, but she came. And God has given us the privilege to just watch how these two injured creatures of his are beginning to get into each other's space and how they're healing each other in each other's presence. Her mom sent us a text message uh, after she'd been there for the first time and wrote to us, Oh, Miriam, she loved it beyond words. You've connected with her on a level deep inside her that's so soothing. She wants to help out and to be there. Thank you and your family so much for your love and for your obedience. It was awesome. Amelia is autistic. She's someplace in the middle of the autism spectrum. When she feels unsafe or threatened, uh, she has to put on earmuffs to enter into a world where she feels safe. The first time that she came to the ranch, her mom kept on asking her, do you need your earmuffs? Do you need your earmuffs? But Amelia and Clyde immediately entered into each other's safe place, marked by the large and the small relating to each other. They're both learning that it's okay to trust in life. Yesterday, while I was with recess with the first grade, one of the little boys asked me where I'm from. I said, Brazil, and he said, that's a long ways away. He said, it's in the Bible. And I said, well, I don't think Brazil's in the Bible. And he said, yeah, they talk a lot about it, that land in the Bible. <laughs> you have supported us in that faraway land of Brazil for going on 27 years. In that time, the Lord has taken our ministry through various different forms, but always the thread that wove through all of that was um, a pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world, from James 1.27. We started out at the boys' orphanage and... From there, we moved to Pernambuco, where we had a milk program for children that were dying in the drought. Out of that was born the literacy school and our home for um, abandoned children. The need for a home for abandoned children has no longer as urgent as it used to be, and our family seems right now to be complete with 24 children. The DOTM home is now just a Freeman family. As of this year, the DOTM school closed, and due to a lawsuit and the property is up for sale, there is actually a buyer that is negotiating with my dad. And we're left wondering, what is it that the Lord has for our ministry right now? And through all the doubts and confusion, and prayer, and asking why this ministry of the school has come to a close, and what we're supposed to do now. The Lord has brought us back to the orphan and the widow and their distress. The Lord has gathered a group of men around Benjamin who have a heart and a passion for working with people in the favelas of Gravata, or the slum area, and they are the people that live there are in drugs and prostitution and the violence is very rampant 
and they are excited about the possibility of us working with them. I'm a little bit late. There we are. They're excited about the possibility of us working with them in an attempt to influence the lives of the adults and the children. It does appear that God is turning our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers toward the favelas of Gravata, but he has yet to show us in what form he would like our ministry to take on this time. We're waiting for his leading, we're praying, and we would greatly appreciate your continued prayers, your encouragement, your counsel on what direction we should take now. My sister, Cara, most of you have heard updates, I believe, but she's been here in the U.S. since January seeking for medical help. And she has chronic and persistent pain in her eyes since she was 12, and it has just increased. In April, she was diagnosed with Chiari malformation, instability of the cervical spine, and tethered cord syndrome. She has, those have all been corrected surgically, but she continues to experience great and persistent eye pain, and it's compounded by almost debilitating joint pain. She is currently being treated by a team of doctors from various specialties who seem committed to working with her in order to get her back to health and pain-free. The years have been very difficult for her, but she has maintained a very cheerful disposition, a very sweet disposition, and she serves even with this debilitating pain. Mom and Kara have been overwhelmed by the kindness and the love and support of our churches here in the U.S. and in Canada. That's been a difficult year for us and a year that we often feel that we're alone and not sure where to turn to next and Mom cannot speak of your kindness and your love without tears in her eyes. She said, I no longer feel alone. I feel like we have a body of brothers and sisters who are supporting us in this work. Kara has hit rock bottom many times where she has begged God to just take her home to be with him. And she always resurfaces and continues treading water. And about a week ago, she had again reached that point And she was listening to a CD by Steve Green, and she took these words that he's saying to heart, and she sings them when she is feeling discouraged. Whatever it takes to keep me tender toward you, whatever it takes, Lord, I beg you to do. Whatever you must lead me through, whatever it takes, Lord, do. The uh, foundation sponsored a work team to uh, Paraguay over the December Christmas break, and uh, Hillary and Phil would like to share some of their experiences with you. So I'd like to start off by saying, as a kid, I always loved Missionary Day, and I loved, um, I always envisioned like these big strong guys jumping out of helicopters to save lives and stuff, and sorry uh, young kids, you're stuck with me, but... Um, so this past trip to Paraguay, it was my second trip, and basically, we painted a school, which may not seem very important, but you have to realize that, um, this school has led to so many lives being changed and saved. It's almost like an orphanage, in a way, um, a safe place for these kids who have no parents, no home, 
um, from broken backgrounds to come and just enjoy life. And so Paraguay is a very unsafe place, and a lot of these kids grew up in single-parent homes or no, have no parents at all, drug use, um, crime, violence. So they come to the school, and a lot of it revolves around playing soccer there. And so that guy right there, actually, um, he was a longtime drug user, but he came to the school. He's from the community, and there a lot of them get to know Christ through that. And a lot of times they end up bringing their parents back with them who eventually get saved as well. And so um, we painted the school, and it might not seem like a lot, but one thing that's important to note is that the parents who send their kids to that school, um, they find it very important that the school is up, um, kept up to date and that it looks good. And just another note, um, one thing that I took away from the entire experience is the passion that these people have for God. A lot of them are only 14 or 15, yet they're more spiritually mature than a lot of people I know, just through the hardship that they have. And we may think that because we have possessions and churches here that we're better than off than them, but I'm telling you right now, I think I took away more from the trip than I could ever hope to give them. And so keep them in your prayers. A lot of them want to come to Eastern Camp, but it's almost impossible to get a passport. So they ask that you pray for them. So hopefully one year they could come and talk to you in person. Good morning. Um, this was my first mission trip, and I was just so excited. I had always wanted to go to Paraguay. Um, I had the mindset of, I'm going to do great work there, and just the work that we are doing and our fellowship, it's going to be such a blessing to them. And my mindset just completely changed once I was there. The blessings that I received from being there and being amongst the brothers and sisters there was incredible. Paraguay, they told us as soon as we got there, is the heart of South America, and it's so true. It's the most loving community in that church, and it's a living and breathing example of being a light to their community, because like Phil said, it's very unsafe there, um, the drugs and the violence and the community, and just the church and the school there is such a beacon of hope, and it was such an incredible experience to be there, um, and their youth is so on fire for Christ, and it kind of renewed my spirit, too, um, and gave me the strength to be that light at home, because I'm not going to face the same dangers as they would if they were going to share the love of Christ in their neighborhood, because we went over to um, one woman's house from the church, and her son-in-law had gotten throat. I think his vocal cords, um, he got slit um, in their neighborhood. And it was awful. And it's just that's the community that they have to reach out to. But they are so fearless. Oh, I have a story real quick. So we were... (laughs) (laughs) We started two minutes early, so anyways. So we were walking down the street, right? And um, it was us and a few other guys from the church. And I'm in my papuche, just walking down the street. And there's these three, like, 
thugs, I guess, cholos, just uh, sitting on the porch. And one of the guys from the church turns to me and he says, if they start coming at you, just start running. And I'm in my flip-flops, I don't know what to do. Because I guess the week before, they jumped someone at knife point. And so, that just gives you an idea, like, five minutes outside the church, um, if you're wearing the wrong t-shirt, they'll probably shoot you or something. So, you have to be careful, and these kids don't know. I mean, a lot of them, it's, it's, a, it's a paradise, but at the same time, it's a horrible place. So, sorry for interrupting. That's okay. I'm just glad my parents aren't here. Um, <laughs> But just the, the light that the church is and being a part of the work just for a couple of weeks down there was incredible. And they, like I said, they're just a living example of what Jesus Christ has told us all to do, to go out into the world and preach the gospel to the lost. And they're just doing an amazing job there. And it would be a wonderful opportunity to go back. If anyone has any interest in any kind of mission work, I strongly encourage you to ask, ask questions about it, um, get involved in any way. You don't have to go down to another country, but it's just the blessing that you receive from it is unlike anything else. And we have like a billion stories, so come talk to us. <laughs> I think there's a form slot open 2 p.m. Friday, right? Are you available? Um, that's the soccer game. Oh. <laughs> it, Spoken like a true Paraguayan. In Paraguay, soccer takes precedence over everything else. So it was very interesting. Uh, um, about four blocks down the street, there was a new McDonald's. And uh, Lucas was also with us, and he was very thankful that uh, American Airlines started a direct flight from Miami to Paraguay, so he didn't have to uh, fly through uh, Panama this time spend uh, 20 hours in the Panama airport on a layover. And um, there's uh, several prayer requests I just wanted to make you aware of. Um, right now, they've got space for about 300 students this school year. Uh, they ex- filled that, basically, and uh, your scholarship donations are greatly appreciated, especially, uh, I know Karen's thankful to the support from the Canadian churches in this regard. Um, now that the dining room is pretty well finished, uh, they hope to uh, build um, some more classrooms on top of that, and uh, it costs about $30,000 to, to put up a new set of classrooms. And uh, longer term, they're also praying about uh, starting a, a school in San Pedro, where we, we also have a church ministry. Um, Locally, church growth, um, since we came back, um, they've just started a, a new church plant in uh, Oscar and Karen's uh, neighborhood, and they've been meeting in their homes on Fridays and Sundays there, and they're looking for a, a lot for a church building there in the neighborhood. I just wanted to make you aware that I uh, would like to plan another work team this year, so if you're interested, please see me. And... Uh, we, uh, my son just came back from a uh, medical mission with the sister church, and so uh, there is a lot of excitement in our house with uh, three budding uh, medical, hope to be professionals someday, uh, about uh, doing a medical mission. So if anyone is interested, I've talked to Karen, and she said that we might be able to come and put on a medical clinic there.
but you may have to do some painting on the side. Also, um, we're looking, looking at uh, trying to find uh, domestic opportunities to help out with some of the uh, weather disasters that we've had recently, and uh, we have the possibility of being able to go and, and help out uh, do some restoration in the Hurricane Sandy area. So if you're interested in any of those uh, opportunities, please come and speak to me or uh, feel free to, to speak to those that have been there. And I want to assure you that in my six years of of uh, four years, four times in six years that I went to Paraguay, that uh, we've never lost a man or a woman. <laughs> so we were playing soccer, and one thing that really struck me was um, this kid who showed up. He wasn't from church. He actually looked exactly like Matt Boy, uh, just Paraguayan. <laughs> and and he wasn't from church, and it was like a really competitive game, and everyone didn't really like each other. And at the end, his team lost. And he was walking off the field, and I'm like, sorry, man, are you okay? Like, he, he was kind of taking it hard. And he said to me, it's in his very broken English, it's okay, I got Jesus. And that just kind of struck me. Um, a lot of them don't even go to church, but Paraguay in general, South America, is very Catholic. And so a lot of them are very superstitious, and they don't know the full truth that we do. And so it's important that we keep expanding the school and providing money for it so they can grow and that more kids can come and um, learn the truth. And it's very safe, so parents, send your kids. It's fine. <laughs> I was joking. I was being... Yeah. It's... <laughs> They'll be fine. And if you do go, the most important thing that you need to learn is Dios te bendiga, and it's God bless you. So thanks. I thought I had extra time, but I guess not. Too bad, because I could have sang a solo for you, but no, you're going to miss out. <clears throat> okay, my name is uh, Ed <clears throat> Excuse me. My name is Ed Yon. I'm from Windsor, Ontario. And this is the first time that you're going to be seeing the ACRC, Apostolic Christian Relief of Canada. This is a, a domestic uh, mission uh, located in uh, Windsor, Ontario. What's fascinating about uh, this um, mission is that it was actually inspired by a foreign mission, uh, missionaries. Um, so I'm going to talk as I scroll through the, uh, the pictures. Um, um, a number of years ago, I ha we had uh, Brett and Debbie Freeman over, and it, that was the second time we had them over, and just a wonderful experience to have them. We talked right through the night, um, and my question for them was, how do you know God's will? You know, and one of the big things in, in my heart was to have a domestic mission um, at home. And so they gave a very, I was expecting some big, you know, amazing answer to that question. They said, if it's in your heart, if it's in your heart and it's, it's for good and it's not going to hurt anybody, go ahead and do it. And I'm just paraphrasing what they said, but they inspired me to, to begin what is known as the Apostolic Christian Relief of Canada so this uh, started a couple years ago. Um, this is a building that we uh, built. We hired out. Um, now this is the complete. Um, the, what it is is a warehouse, okay? And it's the first half of the building here. Now we hired out the, um, the exterior, but the whole interior of the building, it was done by volunteers. Um, all brothers and sisters and friends from both Windsor and also Harrow came together, and everything you see, all the walls, the insulation, uh, everything you see inside was done by volunteers. Um, the purpose of this 
uh, mission, this domestic mission, is to um, basically be, in a general sense, be used by God to reach out to those in need. Uh, if there's a need somewhere, we want to look at it and be a way to reach out to it. Um, another uh, purpose is to uh, provide an avenue for true fellowship. And as you look through these pictures, um, as I was putting the slide together, slides together, I was amazed to see how many people are smiling, just naturally happy. And it's so wonderful to me. How true fellowship is when you work together for a common good and you get to know people really well. And so that's, you see a lot of that. So this is an avenue for true fellowship. And also a way to redeem our time wisely. And that's also for the youth, um, for retired folk, and those who have free time, a way to get together and do good for those in need. Um, what do we do? So basically, um, a number of services. Uh, we collect and, and store food, especially bulk food. We have a lift truck. We have a, a truck, actually, to bring the food wherever it's needed um, and um, distribute food to food banks and soup kitchens and wherever the food is needed. Um, we also collect... Um, most of these pictures are actually from Cheerful Giver, which is one of the projects. But we also um, collect food, uh, baby clothes and items for, for babies, uh, we support a local pregnancy um, advocate center, um, a center that uh, helps women who are uh, single mothers who um, are maybe choosing to have an abortion, and they encourage them to carry their baby to term and then help them uh, with that baby once the baby is born. Um, also, a uh, cheerful giver program. Um, all these pictures here, many, many of the ladies and, uh, and, and all the people are, are sewing bags and cutting string and, and then putting things together to help out with, uh, with the triple group, which is basically uh, packaging health kits um, and, and that go overseas. They're given to the Mennonite Central Committee. Um, we also um, collect household items, and, uh, uh, such as furniture and appliances, to di- distribute to the community. And uh, we also are making uh, mats for um, uh, out of plastic bags, milk bags. I'm running out of time here. Um, we're also looking for a project so that if you see a, a project that um, you think that we can help you, we're looking to, to put it together, something we can make and distribute, we would like to do that. Um, this is very similar to the sister church. The sister church has the, these distribution centers as well, and we're like kind of emulating them, and it'd be nice if that um, maybe even other churches will, will look to do a domestic, a domestic mission even in their own uh, church area where they can get together and do those things that are good. Uh, as a quick side note, this is my niece up top here, top left, uh, Vanessa Tubba. If you heard that name, uh, she has cancer, and that's her. And uh, basically, she just finished her third round of, of chemotherapy, and she's going into her fourth round. They checked her cancerous tumor. It has shrunk in half. And hopefully after six to eight sessions, it's going to disappear, with, uh, and God willing. But we leave it all in God's hands. So let me put a name, uh, name to a face so you know who you're praying for. These are more pictures. This is loading up all the packages that get heading off to Kitchener, Ontario, to the Central Mennonite Central Committee. These are brothers who are bringing, uh, oh boy, I'm out of time. Brothers who are bringing um, furniture to a local uh, lady in town who was a former addict. Um, she had nothing, and she, she improved her life, got better, and now she needs help with uh, some appliances and furniture, and we were going to help her out with that area. And this is uh, also the mass I talked about that we're making. Any questions, uh, please see Brother Rob Tarr, Sister Barb Binder, 
Brother Alex Nadak and myself, and we'll be glad to answer more questions. Thank you. Okay, uh, so you've been hearing of a lot of different, uh, a lot of different missions, local, foreign. There's a lot of work for uh, for everybody uh, to be uh, to be getting involved. Um, with the ACCMBC, um, these are uh, this is a list of uh, the n- number of children that uh, that we currently sponsor, um, and um, and it's. It, it, it's something that ACCMBC is. Uh, that's one of our one of our main focuses is uh, is sponsoring uh, sponsoring children. Um, one of the things that uh, where we have teams going to uh, basically every year is the Galilean uh, Home in uh, Kentucky. Many of you have heard of it. Um, there's going to be a, a team going in August again, and if anybody is interested in going. Um, uh, just contact myself or Brother uh, Tom Nitz, and uh, and there's applications online that can be uh, that can be filled out. Um, we're also uh, still very involved with uh, Zambia, uh, Africa, where uh, there was a team of us that were there in August again, and uh, we built another school building, and. Uh, it's uh, so we have basically a, a washroom building finished. Two school buildings are finished, and uh, and we have uh, another team that's going to be going in August here again. Um, the the one thing that uh, we've also uh, uh, finished doing is uh, building a, uh, a, a security wall around the whole uh, complex, and uh, this is a picture of it here, and uh, uh, so that was quite an undertaking. Um, the team that's going in August here, um, we have everybody from my, my father going to, I'll speak more after this. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming my Ebenezer here by thy great help I've come and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God he to from danger interposed his precious precious blood oh that day when freed from sinning 
I shall see thy lovely face, clothed then in blood-washed linen. How I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Take my ransom soul away. Send thine angels now to carry me to realms of endless day. To grace, how great a debtor Daily I am constrained to be Let thy goodness, like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it Prone to leave the God I love Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. That was the trip that Andrew Shulia got his hair cut. But the, uh, and we're glad to have Andrew here uh, with, us, uh, with us this week again. But uh, one of the things that, uh, um, that we've also progressed with in, in Zambia is um, we have uh, qualified teachers hired there now. Before it was just all volunteers, and uh, the quality of education was uh, very poor. And uh, so uh, there's uh, including uh, there's qualified teachers, including a headmaster that's been hired, and uh, and things are progressing very well with the uh, uh, with the school there. So the work team that's going in August, um, that team is is filled, and uh, there's a, you need a lot of time to prep in order to be able to go to Zambia. Everything from the from the shots that you need and things, but they're going there to uh, to build a new uh, a cafeteria building now at the school, and uh, Lord willing that we would like to be able to uh, feed the children up to two meals a day because most of them today are lucky to get one meal a day, and uh, it's not the kind of food that we would eat. It's just like a filler. It's a corn mace basically that they that they eat if if they get it. Um, so. Just uh, just an update on the Zambia, and uh, and some of you may have been wondering why I was wearing that uh, cowboy hat there earlier. That's just the hat that seems to have gone with me on every mission trip that I've gone. It's been around uh, to uh, uh, quite a few continents, and, uh, and then an update on uh, on my trip to uh, Papua New Guinea now. We are 
Well, this morning we got up and we talked about going to visit the sawmill. It's a portable sawmill that was donated through the missionary committee, through the Apostolic Christian Church. And I thought, well, this is great. I can help them with putting a preventive maintenance program together that Steve Meyer asked me to help them with. And uh, it's, it's a very beautiful day today here. One of the things I just found out, though, is that uh, it's a two-hour walk up into the mountains uh, in order to go and visit the sawmill. Today being Sunday morning is a special day that we're going to be gathering in a field area and they're going to be doing a, a Bible school graduation together with a Sunday morning services. But because there's visitors here and there's a lot more people that come together, they're actually doing it outside instead of in the, in the different church buildings. Well, as you'll see, as we, you know, the pictures go through, that there is between 1,400 and 1,600 people that actually came together. They were expecting almost twice as many people, but the weather was not looking to be that great because it was calling for, uh, uh, it looked like rain for in the afternoon, which it actually did pour rain that afternoon. The Bible School is something that we support uh, through the ACCMBC and uh, it's uh, a Bible School and Life Skills School and uh, since they were having a graduation they asked me to uh, assist with handing out uh, uh, some of the uh, the prizes which consisted from uh, Bibles to uh, uh, to different uh, uh, material reading material that uh, is used for the teachings uh, for with the Bible school and uh, it was 
it, it was a really neat experience and the and seeing the level of appreciation that uh, that the people have for the for the support that they do receive some of these people come from very far away and so while they're in the bible school they cannot go home uh, they're from hours and hours away and so they actually uh, are it's it's almost like a, a bible boarding school so to speak kind of thing because they work there and they keep gardens up and they they live in the houses there and things opportunity of visiting a number of the small churches here in uh, Papua New Guinea. I, I believe it was a total of about five of uh, the churches that I did visit uh, and uh, uh, there are over a hundred churches in Papua New Guinea. Um, there's, uh, uh, if I understand correctly, there is over 50,000 people that attend our churches with about 15,000 members in the churches. It's absolutely amazing. Some of the churches are only a few kilometers or even a couple kilometers apart from each other, but it's so mountainous and it's difficult to walk and climb. So if there's a number of older people that cannot uh, make it to the uh, walk the distance to the church, they'll actually open up another church uh, and uh, and have uh, another minister leading in, a, in the congregation over there. But in no time, they have another uh, 30 to 50 people gathering together. It's amazing the growth of the church. And here in Papua New Guinea, the church name is the Good News Christian Church. And, uh, uh, but uh, is the church that was uh, originally started by, uh, uh, by our brothers and sisters, uh, including uh, uh, Vic uh, Schlaughter. So one of the things for uh, Papua New Guinea that I just wanted to mention is that uh, Papua New Guinea still needs our support. We used to have a lot of missionaries that spent time over in Papua New Guinea, 
currently we have no missionaries that are stationed in Papua New Guinea. Um, and uh, they're operating fine as, as, as a church, but they still need our spiritual support to allow this growth to keep taking place. And uh, in the last couple of years, uh, from, on the, from on the U.S. side, the support has really dropped, dwindled, basically. And, uh, and it doesn't take a lot. I mean, just even $1,000 a month for them, uh, it, it does a lot for them. And uh, so it, it's something that uh, I want to bring to the attention of everybody. I've asked uh, Brother Vic Schlatter to close with a prayer. Thank you, Brother Willie. Uh, sorry, I, I uh, hope I can speak clearly. I got a little bit teary looking at uh, 51 years of friends, neighbors, experiences as they passed through my mind in seeing my home turf for uh, that long, over half a century. And I want to pray for them, and I want to pray for the others right now as we close. I'm not totally familiar with some of the other work, but um, let's pray. Father, I just want to bring before you every one of these presentations Brother Bob, with the small churches that will be presented this afternoon uh, at 2 o'clock, as as well as my program, I want to pray a blessing upon CLM, Lord God, that you will touch every need in these places. Uh, It's heaviness many times uh, and uh, hard work, but thank you, Father. For your promise that covers all of this, whoever gives a cup of cold water in my name will never lose their reward. We pray this for CLM, for the Teeters, for UBI, the program in Canada. I want to pray for the Timber Ridge Ranch, the unique work that they are doing, and a couple of little girls, big girl and little girl that we saw uh, with uh, other ministry that they have. We pray for the green olive tree folks and that uh, uh, that ministry there in uh, down in Brazil. I want to pray for Sister Cara who is struggling physically and Lord we name the authority of the king of the universe over her eyes and over her circumstances. Father, I want to pray for those in Paraguay and like other places that Elsie and I have been It's a bit dangerous, but you're there to live out the promises of the 91st Psalm once again. We pray for Paraguay. We pray for the ACRC and the the ministry that they're doing in Zambia, as well as helping with other ministries such as the Good News Christian Church. And Father, I want to pray for our family in Papua New Guinea family that's been in Elsie's and my heart for over 50 years. Lord, I think on the day I saw them all, I saw Pastor Peter, special brother, Pastor Tom, some that we didn't see, Pastor Bezalel, who's had suffered some real heaviness in losing two brothers uh, in accidents last year. 
and then his firstborn son that lived for two hours. Father, we pray for them, all of these. And Lord, we bring them not before the beautiful gate in Jerusalem. We bring them before the beautiful throne in the new Jerusalem. Lord, all the cares and heartaches, the blood, sweat, and tears that has gone through the work in these various places. And if I missed any, Lord, you know exactly where the aching heart and the, the, the aching back is broken and heavy. We pray for them all. Naming the authority of the creator of the universe, the sovereign God, the ancient of days, the one who spoke to the darkness and there was light, the one who brooded over the waters and there was life. Bring light and life to all these places and to everyone represented here. Father, we commit them to you in the name of Jesus. We can't all go there. We can give a little, but you can give a lot. We bring them, Father, to you. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen.